Hello and welcome to That Park Life Podcast as Beth is E.T. phoning homing me. Why are you pointing at the screen? I just realized how cool it is when I like do things towards this camera yeah. and we're dancing with our theme song. So, you know, just giving you a little a extra. Shoulder action Trying today. to get amp- amped up today. Gotta get it. Hi. Amped. Hey. So Hi. Uh, I'm excited. I get excited about, I get excited about most episodes. I don't know why I ever even say that, but I really Oops. like, I really like nerding out. Yeah. And um, I'm all one, about the history. One thing, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. So every now and then at work, I get to pick up a different shift and I get to interact with guests. And sometimes I'm in a position where I get to share information about like certain resorts with them. I and feel like most people, that sentence never comes out of their mouth. Well, <laughs> I get to pick up shifts at work and I get to interact with guests. Yes. I just want to point that out. <laughs> I, well, I like it because typically I'm not in a guest facing role for most yeah. of my work. <laughs> so when I get to pick up a shift where I am and they pay me overtime to do it. So, Amen. Um, Anyway, I sometimes find myself nerding out and they sometimes don't care. I'm like, well, listen. And I kind of yeah. joke about it with them. I'm like, well, you're a pretty captive audience, so kind of stick with me on this. Let me go over the, <laughs> the before, during, and after the transcontinental railroad construction of the story of Wilderness Lodge. And uh, like and they, waiting for their reaction and they're like, no reaction. Yes. You're like, okay, well, moving on. They're tweeting out like a, a, yeah, a cast it's me, okay, insult. Cool. It's not a cast compliment. It's a cast complaint like cast this complaint. nerd. Yeah. So um, thank you to everyone out there listening who gets to actually want to hear us nerd out mm-hmm. a little bit on some things and come up with some cool facts. Did you notice, by the way, when I was when we put together like our our material oh. for this, um, for the area we were going to talk about some cool stuff, I put facts with a Z at the end so you knew they were facts. cool. Yeah. This is a, yeah, we are cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, Greg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was even going to spell cool, K-E-W-L, but I didn't. I didn't go that far. Cool. Yeah, I didn't so go that far. Cool facts. Um, so we have some things starting here at Disney coming up this week. We have the three new shows that are coming at Epcot. I mean, these aren't like like blockbuster Epcot changes. Yeah. Certainly not the biggest Epcot changes that are coming. No. But um, I get to go to a preview of them on Thursday. I signed up for it. So it's only mm-hmm. one day before they officially open. But I'm excited about it. So hopefully we'll be able to do all three. The Canada show with the uh, Catherine O'Hara and the other guy, Eugene Levy, from that show that is S-C-H-I-T-T, Schitt's Creek, Mm -hmm. and uh, the sing-along, the Beating the Beast sing-along, and the the, uh, Awesome Planet show in the land. So I'm excited about these things. Yeah, do you get to, do you have to, so you're going to like walk around all the different places to preview them? Yeah, I believe so. So, I mean, anyone's allowed in. It's just, we have to show, I'm guessing we have to show our ID when we, Mm. when we actually go to walk in the attraction, but. Flip out your badge. You're like, I'm here for the preview. (laughs) (laughs) I go to flip out my badge and I accidentally show them my expired Costco membership card. Speaking of nerding out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's coming up. So I'm excited to do it. And I'll let y'all know on probably next week, just a quick little like, hey, how was, you know, I don't believe in spoilers. Although, like, how can I spoil the Beauty and the Beast? Spoiler, they sing Be Our Guest. (laughs) (laughs) The Beauty and the Beast sing along. Guess you know the words already. So good for you. Already done your homework. Yes. We've got, um, sorry, what are we going to say? No, I'm saying it's been years in the making of you knowing what they're going to do with this Beauty and the Beast sing along. So how can I spoil it? For sure adding more beauty and the beast things to the park because that's what we need right now well um what why not i don't know i like it i know it's just funny to me that how much like beauty and the beast things are adding because they added the um the thing the bar. at the grand floridian yeah we can never remember the name of it we're like that thing the at the grand floridian all i can picture is skirt around the you know like the the, the middle chandelier. of the yes chandelier yeah um uh, and then they added Rose. this 
in, you know, it's not like they've taken other things out and like added this or whatever, but it's just funny to me because there's so much other things going on. Well, the live action Beauty and the Beast, I thought was like, that might yeah. be my well, favorite of the live, the live action. Can we action on something by now? Like, can we get it on Disney Plus, please? It's, because... on, it's on Disney Plus, isn't it? I don't think it's on there yet. It's one of the ones that's like coming soon. It's oh, on there yet. Oh, maybe because it's that, still available somewhere right, else. And they took it off Netflix and I'm just a little irritated. You're about in it. the limbo. I know. You're in the limbo. Um, anyway, we, so we did our deep dive episodes a couple, a little, well, last year, if you will. Uh, we did our yeah. park icons one and two. So season one. <laughs> season one. We're almost up on yes. season two. Uh, we yeah, actually we're... debuted at the end of January last year. So okay. we're coming up on our season, our season two. So okay. get ready for our season one finale where we have a cliffhanger. Where it's just a normal episode. <laughs> yes. The cliffhanger is, will they return? Yes, they will, because it'll be a new week. Um, so we're back. We're back with a deep dive. And Beth and I were talking about this, um, about what a dark ride is. And sometimes I'll bounce ideas off Nicole. I'm like, if I were to tell you or ask you, what's a dark ride? Could you tell me what it was? And she's like, yeah, like the, the Little Mermaid ride of Magic Kingdom, uh, Peter Pan, and those types of things. I'm like, okay, perfect, because that's kind of what we're going for. Because the the dark ride phrase isn't something you and I created. That's like a right. thing that existed. And I wanted to make sure we talked about like the same type of dark rides. Thus the title classic style dark rides. Because yeah, yeah there are some rides that are done in the dark. But I wouldn't call them a dark ride. So what we're, what we're ultimately discussing in our, what will probably be a three-part series, today's part one, are those rides that are uh, sometimes called people eaters, if you will. They're omni-moving. They're just always moving. Or like that, the classic boat style. That yeah. really started with "It's a Small World," so it's good that we're talking about that today. Don't that give away the secret. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I'm sure it, when I post this on Instagram or the description, it'll say we're talking about "It's a Small World." Yeah. Well, and um, I'm pretty sure when you asked me about Dark Ride, I was like, "It's a ride that's completely inside." Yeah. That's basically how I. Yeah. Would have said it. So we kind of had to come to this like conclusion of, all right, well, we're we want to talk about classic dark rides. Yeah. And a lot of times they use like they they make use of the dark. So they use black light technology to illuminate. Um, you don't mm-hmm. really know where the ceiling of the building is because it's so dark, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Where they, they bring in a set ultimately you know, on the inside. Because obviously in Pirates of the Caribbean, it's an outdoor setting for almost all of the attraction, but you're still inside. Right. But that's the point. Is yeah. you get outdoor theming inside, and that's the what a dark ride accomplishes. So that's what we're talking about today: the history of four classic style dark rides. This time happens to just be all in Magic Kingdom. Yeah, and we were thinking about like other. Did we do that on purpose? I think we did. We did well because we were looking. <laughs> I was looking at the. I made in my mind a list of dark rides, and uh, Hollywood Studios doesn't have any. Yeah, well, and also we like to keep things by park. I don't know if you've been listening long enough you know it's like we're gonna go by the park we don't really go yeah. by like that's how we categorize everything it's like by park so and animal kingdom to my knowledge only has one that i could think mm-hmm. of and that's the navi river journey which is so new there's not much history yeah. on it but we'll get there so today let's let's talk about Frontierland and no adventureland and Fantasyland Fantasy. are, the, are the two lands we have to be covering with some classic dark rides we'll start out with pirates of the caribbean um, which obviously was a Disneyland attraction first, but was not an opening day uh, attraction for Walt Disney World, not a part of the lineup. They actually thought that, although it was popular in California, that Disney World visitors wouldn't care about the, quote, Caribbean or Caribbean. There's, I don't know. Right. If there's a because of their actual proximity to the real Caribbean. They thought, well, like, 
Boy, were they wrong. Yeah, were they wrong? So they were actually so wrong that so many people... They're like, you know, you have like pirates in your family, so it's not that big no, of a no deal. No, big deal. Go see your Uncle Peg Leg Pete and ask him about life. So, you know, um, all about the history of all these things, right? Because you live in Florida. Yeah, really. So they uh, guests were not necessarily complaining, but just out there making their requests. And somehow they accomplished this without Twitter. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. And they, they voiced their Congrats. opinions publicly. And uh, they got they got their request. It officially came to Magic Kingdom in 1973, so about two years after Disney World opened. Mm-hmm. Um, although a lot of the attractions are the same, there's a few some differences, especially the, the loading area. And there's one there's one big thing that's different that I don't like to spoil because Nicole and I didn't know it. If you know the big difference, you'll you'll know it. Otherwise, I'm not going to tell you. Google it. So, um, this setting of the Pirates of the Caribbean in Disney World is officially in the 1700s West Indies during the time of the the Spanish finding gold in what is now the U.S. Mm. Thus, that big treasure room at the end there. Yeah. Um, if you notice where you're going around the attraction, you'll see, and if you've watched the movies, you've probably heard of this company as well. But either way, if you're going around the attraction, you'll see the symbols for the WITC or the West India Trading, mm, company, trading company, which makes sense because this is Wait, set hold on, in question. the West Indies. The big, the big difference you're talking about, is it storyline no, related? No. Okay. It's, okay. It's a drop, okay? The California one has two drops in it. Oh, and we didn't okay. know. And I know you haven't gotten to know Nicole now, but she's not necessarily the best with drops and rides. Yeah. So when we were in the Disneyland one, we did the first drop. Like, okay, cool, right? And That's then it. another one came. And then she spent oh. the rest of the ride waiting for a potential third because at this point, there might as well be 18 of them. Right, because well, how do you know? How, that's how it is on Splash Mountain. You're like, I there, feel like there's a million drops at this point. Yes. So we're like, oh, boy. And so you we, never know like what's – I always laugh, though, when people get like they're ready for like this massive drop. And yeah. you're like, that, that was it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like this, woo! And then people are like screaming, and I'm like, that was it, y'all. Yeah, like, that was the whole thing. thing. Um, so, yeah, it was a white-knuckle journey for us at the, at the, at the <laughs> Disneyland one. For sure. Um, here in Disney World, it is officially the Castillo de Moro, or the castle of whoever Moro is. Uh, it's inspired <laughs> by the Castillo de San Felipe del Moro in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So it actually comes from, like most structures in Disney World and Disney Parks, they are based on or inspired by real life real structures, uh, structures and, and things. Um, before we get into some of the construction and some other statistics, I found a old radio commercial. For Pirates oh of the Caribbean. So just to be clear, this is technically for the Disneyland version of Pirates. Right. However, the storylines are the same. Um, and in this commercial, it doesn't really single itself out as dis- like the Disneyland quote version because a lot of it's the same. Um, but this is you have you have this perplexed look on your face that I feel like I need because to ask. who is it? Because somebody has a different storyline. Are you going to talk about that? Um, some parts of it are different. Yes, because yeah, I, I thought it was Disneyland, but maybe it was. Maybe I'm thinking of Shanghai. You are, yeah. No, the Shanghai because we were just we just watched the last episode of the Imagineering story, and the Shanghai, Shanghai one is just a is in the Bayou. Yes, it is. Well, okay. yes, it's this whole big giant adventure that yeah. doesn't exist in the, in the continental. I'm thinking US. of the. I'm thinking of the like where you're actually going through the Bayou. In Disneyland, you do. Okay. So you do so at there, the beginning of the loading area is different, but the attraction there is a itself. Different scene. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the, so the loading area there, like that part where you're before you really get into it, reminds me or is similar to the very beginning of the Grand Fiesta Tour in Epcot. I know that yeah. the scenery is different, but it has a similar like vibe right. where it's quiet, darkier crickets or whatever. 
yeah. then you go in. Okay. It's the calm before the storm. But anyway, so here is the commercial that this is from 1967. So obviously this is not about the Disney World version. Where did you find this? YouTube. So if you okay. <laughs> um, if you were wondering how Disney was looking to advertise Pirates of the Caribbean, and the, don't forget this is the 60s. Right. This is how they accomplished it. The opening of a Magic Kingdom's most exciting new attraction, Pirates of the Caribbean. Enjoy a rollicking adventure with the boldest crew of swashbucklers ever to terrify the Spanish main. Bloodthirsty cutthroats attack a sleepy town. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate fight for me. You're in the thick of the action as these three-dimensional pirates dunk the town's magistrate, auction its fair maidens, and set the whole village ablaze. Set the whole village ablaze. Okay, keyword swashbucklers and two... Um, oh, what did he say? As they auction off the fairest Fair of the ladies, yeah. <laughs> maidens, or whatever. Whoops. Like, not doing that anymore no. in 2019 or 2020 now. Can't do that now. Fair Bad enough. Day. <laughs> but we should do uh, our own rendition of this commercial. Yes. The politically <laughs> like correct. Yeah, like the SNL parody. Yes, like how they came up with a politically correct version of Baby It's yeah. Cold Outside. <laughs> exactly. Only if you're okay with it. Um, so you can tell, by the way, I love, and don't get me wrong, that's from the 60s. So obviously the, the yeah. audio technology was a little bit different back then. But I love the sound I effects of the explosions love and stuff. It. It's like, beow, beow. <laughs> hey, guys, come join us with the swashbucklers. So, and the obviously I love the song. Whoever does, the guy that does the deep, the deep yo-ho, I'm like, who is that guy? That's me. I Did you guys know that? I, I actually came, it's my, I'm in my second life. First life was just the deep, oh, was the deep baritone the for the Disney jingles. Pirates. Like, yeah. Congratulations. Um, speaking of, we're going to talk about a familiar voice in the Pirates okay. of the Caribbean ride. And I'm going to come back to the drop that I was talking about earlier. But before we get there, before the Fast Pass system was a thing, especially mm-hmm. the Fast Pass Plus, the lines in the attraction in the queue were different. They had different themes. They all converged to the same area, the loading area. But right. one was a soldier side and the other was a pirate side. And as a kid, I really remember, like, I just remember them there being the the queue being so, I don't want to say long, but like detailed. I just, yeah. I have this memory as a kid where I just remember like walking around, looking through the bars, trying to find the skeletons mm-hmm. in the rooms and stuff. It got a little away from that now because typically I feel like I'm most of the time doing a fast pass for attractions. So you kind of like, yeah, you're just there to get through the line. Um, and I I remember seeing the pirates playing chess and since then i've read up on it yeah. so we you probably have heard the name mark davis before either from us because we talk about him because he's like a lead imagineer on a lot of projects he for sure was involved in the imagineering story on disney plus you probably have seen his face if you've seen that show yeah. um he happened to be the lead on this project on the pirates of the caribbean design and he loved chess so he incorporated it into the ride so you'll see two skeletons playing a game and he was really into sight gags where you have to like, you might just miss it if you don't pay attention or if you didn't necessarily know about it. And there's a couple throughout the ride where like you can tell a character is looking for somebody, but they're behind them in the barrel peeking their head out like that kind of thing. But mm. with this chess game, he created a scene with two skeletons playing chess where the game is in perpetual check. In other words, the way that the pieces are on the board are it'll never end. So right. which makes sense because two skeletons are not really dead or undead or alive. They're undead. So, of course, right. they're going to be playing a game that never ends because they're never going to go away because they're skeletons. Interesting. So, mm. um, at one point, however, drama mm. fell over. The Castillo de Moro, 
<laughs> at Pirates of the Caribbean because they accidentally messed up the board game, like the pieces during like oh. a, just a routine like refresh yeah. of the Cleaning thing. Or whatever. So they had to do all kinds of research to look like scroll through all of the old schematics of the ride, find old drawings from Mark Davis himself to find out where he found or, you know, what he used to where plan. He placed where, yeah. yeah. Turns out he actually did, did a lot of research and went through like those old chess tournaments where like the, you know, p- the best in the world would play. He like found one where right. there was a stalemate and he kind of, he worked from there, but they wound up finding it on the back of one of his drawings. They just happened to flip over a page and there not, and sure enough, there was the layout. So it has been restored and I, and I appreciate that because I think it's a cool detail that you for yeah. sure would just walk right by. But obviously, they pay attention to these things. And this is what, what makes right. them them, the Imagineers. Well, it's like if you're a chess nerd, yeah. you would you would see that and be like, oh, mm. like that's a cool little added thing. For well you. done. So I mentioned I'd come back to the drop in Pirates of the Caribbean. So you know when that is. It's yeah. in, the, in that first part um, where the now skeleton flashes and takes your picture. So that drop is to allow room for the railroad tracks, like of the Walt Disney World railroad system. Oh. Because obviously if it were the ride was just ground level, they'd either have to go over it or under it, and they went under it. They went under the train track. However, if you pull up the park map on either the My Disney Experience, or even if you just get one in person or just Google it, if you look at the park map, the railroad track does not go through the attraction. So huh. if you look at Google Maps, if you go to like satellite view, yeah. you see the rest of the show building, which isn't on the park map. So if you look at the park map, it looks like it's just one building, but that one building you see is mostly queue and, and loading area. Yeah. And go, then the rest so of it, under, you, are actually you actually are. So if you look it. at the satellite, I mean, you yeah. could for sure see because it's a little bit thinner. So when you're, when you're going down the drop, you're going underneath the railroad tracks. And then at the right. end of the attraction, when you're going up the moving walkway, you're then going back up to ground level. And you're going again so, under the. Yeah, I always wonder that. It's like, why are we going up? Yes. But it's it's crazy when you like really think about that you're not on the first floor when yeah, you're at. Yeah, you're Disney. going down. It's and strange. it's just it's genius because you know obviously Florida is like at sea level, so yeah. that's why you just you don't know because you're not seeing other things that are up. Uh, how would you know your frame of reference is gone? Yeah. And right. they used, I mean, I remember hearing about this. I think they talked about this on the Imagining Strain. I know that I've read it before, but when they dug up what is now the Seven Seas Lagoon, because it's a man-made body of water, mm-hmm. they used that <laughs> dirt, put it in Magic Kingdom to build it up a level so that what we experience is, right. you know, not really ground level as level two. But anyway, because the water table is so high in Florida, they couldn't go any deeper, thus couldn't have a second drop like California has. Right, right. Um, that makes so, sense. Although I would like a second one, and then they should have built it higher and made us yeah. and made a drop. <laughs> Can wow. you guys just redo that whole thing? Thanks. Yeah, just do, and don't and don't take your normal two year time frame. Just do it in like a month. Just guys. because Greg really wants another drop. Yes. No, but I think it's because like once you start like you know once you park at the parking area, like you never feel like you're going up. No. Or down. No. So like so once you get to the park, you're like, how are we not on the like how are we not on the first level? Yes. Because it doesn't feel that way, but no. I guess because you're there's so many different things in between there. But they, again, that's the genius of Disney. If you've ever paid attention to the monorail line, like the one that loops the Polynesian Grand Magic Kingdom yeah. TTC and Contemporary, I know I went out of order there. Sorry for those of you with OCD. Um, <laughs> if you are paying attention to it, the height, the difference between the ground and the monorail of the Contemporary is significant. Oh, but then yeah. as you get between the Polynesian and the grand floridian it's, it's one bad. story up like you you yeah. can't really reach it but you feel like you almost yeah, I guess can that would be the only way that you'd really be able to 
And the, the, obviously the height does change a little bit. And then by the time you're at Magic yeah. Kingdom, you're up high again, but then you're in the platform where you have to walk down anyway. So it's like, it yeah. just totally Fs with your feeling of yeah. like, how high am I right now? Um, but anyway. In, in, in height. Not in, in height. Yeah, I can't ask <laughs> you what you've been consuming <laughs> or how smoking. High am I right how now? high am I, guys? Howdy hell, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, bringing us back to POTC. Mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean. So, by the way, in that commercial, they pronounced it Caribbean. So, I'm going to go with that. Okay, not Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. It's Caribbean Beach and Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, tomato, tomato, whatever. What, whatevs. Um, it contains the oldest continuously running example of a Disney designed simulated light flicker. Guys, if you need a more oh cool God. detail, I don't think I'm going to come up with one. This is just a special effects dimmer. And you've seen this mm-hmm. in a lot of things now, but specifically, it's it's Pirates. Um, it's of note because it's con- it is considered one of the oldest continuously running examples of it because it was something that was conceived in the 50s or whatever. Right. 60s, sorry, when Dis- the Disneyland version opened up. 67, I want to say Disneyland's version opened up. It's been around. It's been around the block. Um, so I mentioned that there was a familiar voice in Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean. And that is Paul Freeze, who is the ghost host at the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. Goof. The audio, I believe, isn't there anymore because he was the original auctioneer. This is before the new redhead scene where they were au- oh, yeah. auctioning off someone uh, and everyone was saying, they, you know, we want the redhead. Because for sure right. the um, sound of the auctioneer, although meant to be similar, is not the same voice. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not a jarring difference if you, unless you really, really haven't studying it, right. it's, it's similar, but it's not him anymore. But so Paul wound up, Paul, like we're best friends, like we're our first name basis. basis. <laughs> Polly, Polly F, was uh, involved in a couple of things, not just Haunted Mansion, but it also included this. And he was the original narrator for the Hall of Presidents, too. Dude's talented. One day I should play for you. I have voice. I have voices. Maybe when we do the Haunt, when we, when Haunted Mansion is in this episode, this series, I'll play for you. It's a little bit of a, of a, uh, a diversion here, but um, a derailing, if you will, because there's audio of him talking to aliens no i'll play it i'll play it that day just something to look forward to when he hosted a radio show that they were trying to contact aliens same guy same guy as the ghost host no it's so bizarre we got to play it so obviously pirates of the caribbean has changed a little bit you could say over the years including but not limited to the new redhead uh auction scene which seems like all the snowflakes have melted on that right like no one seems to be outraged for the most it is what it is you just kind of ride through it with a scowl on your face Whatever. It's the rum we want. It's like, oh gosh, whatever. Well, just move on. If I were a pilot, I'd want the I'd want the rum. <laughs> That's um, true, we know that they added Johnny Depp's character, Captain Jack. No, uh, Johnny Depp was not in Disney World in that attraction. Surprising guess. That was a one-time thing in Disneyland. Because mm-hmm. people sometimes you'll hear people misinformed, like, did you hear that he was in Disney yeah. World? Every now and then he pops up. It was like one time in Disneyland, yeah. which makes sense. But uh, his character and some other things were added starting in 2006. For a while, you may remember this. They were projecting mermaids into the mm-hmm. water, like on the very yeah. f- right after the loading area before you go down the drop. And I always thought that was such a cool thing. Uh, but it's, it's, it is no longer. They also got rid of the skeleton, the mermaid skeleton. Yes, I think they, they were did. they were doing that. Was that that was just promotional, wasn't it? For that one, that scene has changed a couple times. The it has beach. changed. Yeah, the beach scene has changed a couple times. Yeah. There's been rumors about whether the skeletons in general were real human remains, right. either here in Disneyland. I don't know. It's tough. It's one of those things where it's tough to actually get a real answer on that. Yeah. Um. Some other cool facts, facts with a Z, about Pirates of the Caribbean. 
um, and this will wrap us up here on this attraction, is there's a coat of arms hanging over that treasure room. This is now where Jack Sparrow is. We're sitting in there, kind of all casual with one leg up. Rocking on um, the chair. Yeah, there's a coat of arms, and the name on there is Marco Deviso, a.k.a. Mark Davis, the lead engineer for the project. So he has his own little nod in the attraction, which he absolutely deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, you may recall a pirate that is sitting up on a bridge and you wind up going underneath it. And it's like probably the only time you get up close to one of the animatronics for pirates. You can just see like his leg is dangling right there. Yeah. Every um, time I'm like, oh, that it, foot looks gross. It does look gross. It was, it's real dirt and it's real hair on his oh. legs. So this is Ew. because so many of the other animatronics were basically, I'm going to say far away or not close enough to where you actually need to focus on a detail. <laughs> They had to put in leg hair on an animatronic, and it and obviously you know what like it looks like an animatronic with leg hair, right? But every time I look at him, I was just like, ugh, gosh. Yeah. Um, well, and I always wonder how many people have like stood up in their boat and tried to touch it. Oh, God, I would, I would never. You, I would, I, I don't know. You would get yelled at, but no, I, it's not worth it to me. But <laughs> the uh, the attraction is also believed to be haunted so this is one of those like is this a disney myth or is it a fact how can you prove that it's haunted that's that's a more deeper conversation but more deeper that's a deeper conversation and uh whether it is actually haunted haunted or not a tradition continues that they the cast still acknowledges and says good morning and good night to the ghost uh his name is george so they'll sometimes say good night george or good morning george because they are under the impression that if they forgot to greet him, the ride would inexplicably go down. And in the past, it has gone down when they say they have not greeted or said goodnight to George. Interesting. So that's that's their crazy tradition. That's it's not thing. like you have to wear dirty socks. It's you got to yes. talk to the ghost. Yes. You mean like how athletes like don't change their <laughs> yeah. undergarments? Their superstitions. Their underoos. Yeah. I am not superstitious, but I am a little superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael Scott. Oh. All right. Well, so is that is that a wrap on? That's um, a wrap on the pirates. A Arg. lot of good stuff there. Arg. Should we move on to Peter Pan's flight? Yeah, hit me with that flight though. All right. Most of this information, you guys, has come from Wikipedia. And if you've never looked, checked this out, it's the Yesterworld YouTube channel. Um, I feel like he does a really good job. I don't know where he gets all his footage from because mm-hmm. he gets a lot of old Disney footage and stuff and like drawings and I don't know. Um, but it's Yesterworld on YouTube, so I got some stuff from there too. Uh, but obviously the origin story of the ride is based on the 1953 movie Peter Pan, which was based on the classic Peter Pan story by J.M. Barry. Um, we all kind of know the story. If, you know, you don't live under a rock, you know about Peter Pan. Um, sorry, did that, was that harsh? No, if you, <laughs> you're really coming at, you're really coming from the bad. You live under a rock if you don't know the story of Peter well, everybody Pan. Knows about Peter you Pan. haven't lived um, until you've seen the boy that goes to Neverland. Because it's not just like a Disney thing. Like I remember seeing the it's worldwide like, the original movie with the the woman. Yes, Mary with Martin. With Mary Martin. Yeah. Yes. I remember oh yeah. It's watching. not just a Disney. I think I think we're. It's safe to say people know the story of Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, okay. So obviously the ride it originally opened at Disneyland in 1955. It was a main attraction there, and then in 1971 is when it opened at the Magic Kingdom. Um, the Magic Kingdom version today is actually a more expanded version of the Disneyland attraction. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So basically what happened at Disneyland is they had their Fantasyland original attractions were like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, mm-hmm. uh, the Snow White ride, and then Peter Pan. 
And none of those attractions had the main character in them. So again, without Twitter, everybody complained about it because they didn't understand that what Disney was trying to do was they were trying to make you the protagonist in the story. Mm-hmm. Well, people didn't get that. So they complained. They're like, how can you call it Peter Pan? It doesn't have Peter Pan in it. Right. <laughs> so they ended up doing renovations to it and like finally adding more elements of him to it. So um, when it opened in Magic Kingdom, the other addition that they had was animatronics. So yes, they had audio and stuff in the original one, but they didn't have the animatronics to go with it. So when they opened the Disney World version, um, they added some things to it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, original Imagineers on this one were Herb Ryman, Marvin Davis, Bob Maddie, Claude Coates, and Ken Anderson. They had to actually set up a test track in the Disney Studios to test it before they added it. So there was like a track built somewhere else to test this out. Um, and then Bill Justice and Bill Martin were the uh, Imagineers for the Magic Kingdom one. So at the time, um, like I mentioned, Magic Kingdom opened with audio animatronics. So they had some other like newer things to deal with when it came to that. Uh, obviously, the ride track is not the, like an original floor model. So mm-hmm. it uses an overhead conveyor system. It was actually that system was originally used in factories to transport materials like off the floor. Right. Oh, interesting. So yeah, so that's kind of what they used instead because we're used to the typical Omni Mover, like we always talk about Haunted Mansion ride type thing. Um, but this was from the ceiling. So they do utilize a lot of force perspective in the ride. Um, things that were added to Disney World before it was added to Disneyland. So we had the Mermaid Lagoon and the Rainbow, uh, the Indian part with the Lost Boys that was also added in the Magic Kingdom one that was not at Disneyland. Uh, the scene with Peter Pan and Captain Hook fighting on the ship sail, those are all not original to the Disneyland version. So once Disney um, World opened, they kind of like, it was like the newest yeah. thing. It, it's sort of like how Shanghai is like the oh newest my gosh. of everything. It's stupid. You know? It's stupid yeah, like, how good those new, rides are. Right. Like new technology, everything is like, it, it's, it's insane. Um, so that's kind of how it was at the time when it opened. In 2014, so there hasn't been like a ton of changes to ours, right? There's been a bunch of changes to the Disneyland one, but in Magic Kingdom in 2014, the version was upgraded to include um, an indoor queue, right? So we all kind of, if if you know, um, there used to be like a little shop right out there, but they ended up taking that down to, because the lines are always so long, which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that. They wanted to add some interactive queue f- while you're waiting. Um so this is where old restrooms were and stuff like that. So they removed that. And then um, you basically enter into a corridor, a corridor with interactive murals. And then that leads you into the Darling's family residence, like in the kid's bedroom. And they have like a bunch of different interactive things where Tinkerbell's flying around. Um, there's like the shadow area thing where you can like, it just basically looks like you're moving your hand like with a shadow, but like sound effects and stuff ensue. Mm-hmm. But there's all kinds of that. It's really cool. Like yeah. I... We love getting fast passes for it, but part of it's like, hey, let's go do that first because we want to go see the interactive queue. Like you get sprinkled with pixie dust. There's all kinds of cool stuff that goes on with that. Um, So that was all added in 2014. Um, They also closed in 2019 for a small refurb, like fresh paint and stuff. It was just like a month closure that they did to to update some things. Um, uh, Let's see. Other cool facts with a Z. (laughs) It's currently the only original Fantasyland attraction to appear at Magic Kingdom, Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, Tokyo Disneyland, and Shanghai Disneyland. Hmm. So that's the only one that's at all of those parks. And this is what I learned about why the line is so long. So obviously it's a nostalgic ride. 
People love to ride it. And it's like, why is it always so long? Because it's like a 30 second ride, right? Yes. It's because they have one of the lowest hourly load capacity of like all, all the attractions in the park. Mm-hmm. I don't know like what it ranks in like load capacity, but kind of to give you some perspective. So like the Haunted Mansion, right? Haunted Mansion is obviously a longer ride, but they can hold up 2,400 guests in an hour. Wow. Uh, Peter Pan is between 800 and 1,000. Oof. Yeah. So that's why even though it is a very like short ride, it's just their load capacity is so much smaller. So that's why their rides are always longer. And I didn't realize that. Interesting. Um, Sometimes guests will ask me, why is Peter Pan so crowded or why is it like still such a long line? Why is it so difficult to get a fast pass? And I tell them that, but I always start with, well, it's what I call the Kardashian effect. It's popular because it's popular. Yeah. So and that just gets perpetuated until one day when someone realizes that there are that there are other small kid rides out there. Yeah. Um, that maybe have a shorter or an easier to get. It'll just be that way. And, well, and, and I don't of, know if that's coming, though. Yeah. And then a lot of it is like the nostalgia factor. Of, yeah. I mean, like when we go, it's like we have to do Peter Pan. Yeah. Is there anything that's like super, you know, crazy and interactive about it? Like, no, no like once you get on the ship, like it's, you know, but it's so nostalgic for us. The music. Because it's been there since day one. It's yes. the music. It's, you know, going, just going through that whole like little ride system. Um, and so that's another reason why we really, really want to go to like Shanghai and stuff and see those versions because they're incredible. Yes. One small detail about Peter Pan's flight. Obviously, we know that Imagineers use force perspective in a lot of things. A lot of times that force perspective is while. To be larger. Yeah. And while you're it's standing better. on the ground looking up. Whereas yeah. this time they had to use like sky to ground, if you will. Yeah. They had to use a force protect perspective from the from an aerial view, which is an interesting concept yeah. because like, how do you do that? Of course, if you ask my niece, this whole entire ride's fake anyway. But <laughs> what does she know? And that's Greg, that Uncle Greg, what? That's that's Ariel right there in the mermaids. How do you know? Well, it looks yeah. just like her. Well, I know that's kind of like that's it's like a joke. She's like, I don't get it. That's really Ariel. OK, yeah. thank you. Um, but they had yeah. to use some some force perspective. And it's an interesting concept. And then one of the small detail was in the nursery, if you take a look at some building blocks, there are some that spell out some things. One spells out P-Pan, as in Peter mm-hmm. Pan, and another one spells out Disney. So something to look for when you're P-Pan. in there. P-Pan. Yeah, there's a lot of little details to look for. Um, and this is like classic example of using the dark, like dark ride lighting, how we talked about yes. They have to use a lot of lighting to illuminate things. Um, I feel like everything in there is pretty much painted with like fluorescent paint. <laughs> um so, which is good, but it's also like you can tell very easily when things need to be updated. Yes. Like, I I mean, I think, you know, since they did it in 2019, it doesn't look bad. But before they did that, like, little refurb, it was like, yes. okay, we need a little paint job in here, guys. Yeah. And things are getting, like, pretty dirty. And I like, you know, I like the classic ride vibe. I do wish that they, they spend a little time the next time they refurbish it. I really hope that they do this. And, uh, you know, you make use of newer animatronic technology yeah. so that when peter pan is fighting hook he's not just mo- like yeah. his arm isn't moving just yeah. from the elbow down he's basically karate right. chopping him with a knife yeah. over and over but again, and over again it's like will people be mad that they do that will people be mad that they update it because it's like hey that was original like it's kitsch it's a little kitschy yes. but we like that it's kitschy because it's it's historical you know yes. what i mean i wouldn't so, i would not be in that group of people i'd be like yeah, Let me, I, I want a realistic That's battle scene like, where there's blood <laughs> I want it so that it literally stabs him and kids scream. <laughs> yeah, Peter Pan gets him, and then you know, like in Philharmonic, when like the the scene and like the Fantasia scene where they're like the buckets, and then you get squirted with water. I yeah. want Peter Pan to like jab Captain Hook and like that, 
like the heart area, and then they squirt blood at you. That's I want real life. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, and maybe you're right. No, I was looking at my notes to make sure I didn't have anything else to add to it. Um, <laughs> I would have been okay if you were judging me, though, because that's no, weird. yeah, no. I mean, it was just like I was telling Greg before. Like, it, there's not a ton of historic. There's not a ton of st- of information on ours because it wasn't the original one. Yeah. Um, but it is cool that like they've done this ride. This is the one ride that's original that's been done at all these different parks all these because parks. it's like everyone around the world loves Peter Pan. They yes. know Peter Pan. It's nostalgic for them. So we'll go um, across the street then and talk about an attraction that also is seen in many parks and is certainly bigger than Disney World or Disneyland because everyone knows whether yep. they want to or not the It's a Small <laughs> World song. So this one's definitely... <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen thank you beaker for <laughs> basically for singing this for you, song Greg. i love you're, you're it welcome everyone you're i'm not welcome. i'm not sure how i'm supposed to follow that this would be more like okay i won't do the whole song again but anyway <laughs> Um, so obviously we know that this song has a ton of his song. This attraction has a, a ton of history based on the on some stuff that was even before Disney World. So I'm not going to focus a whole lot on how the World's Fair version was built because obviously mm-hmm. that's that's like the true origin of this. But we do know that this was originally World's Fair attraction at the 1964-65 World World's Fair. Um, at that point it was to honor UNICEF. And, you know, mm-hmm. connecting the world by using images of children to show that we're all one big, or I guess mm-hmm. one small world. It was eventually brought to Disneyland when that world's fair was over and then eventually replicated in other parks. Now, just to go back, when they would do these at the World Fair, they would, like, literally build, like, these rides. Yeah. From, like, like nothing, ground up. Yeah. They would go there and put these attractions together. So, yes. I don't think, I mean, because that's something I didn't know for a while, and then I was like, you know, you think that it's like when you go when you think of a World's Fair or something, it's like, oh, yeah, you go and there's like little mini versions or they have like displays and stuff. No, this was a full on built attraction at the World's Fair. Yes, we know. So we know if you were to walk around uh, Fantasyland, especially if you're just over leaving the Peter Pan area, actually, that whole area is a good a place to just stop in and look around for a second because you'll notice there's a little bit of theming happening there. It's more of a medieval what? fair theme. Theming, theming at, Disney? at Disney World. Um, but why is it a medieval fair theme? You ever think about that? So like what makes Fantasyland connect with a medieval fair theme? Like if you look at the I've outside. I've never thought about that. Like in my head. It just when makes I, sense. In my head I see that theming and I'm like, yeah, it's like fairy tale. But like why? I guess because a lot of these stories were written back then. No, right? there's In a real context. there's a real reason, and there's and okay. this, so let's get to that. So if you just right. just if you don't know what I'm talking about, the next time you're there, or go Google Photos of the entrance to Small World, you can actually mm-hmm. see that some of the columns there are jousts that are turned upside yeah. down. So yeah. just hearkening back to this medieval fair, and then you'll see like there's a bunch of tent shaped things all around, and yeah. even the garbage cans have their own little tent like toppers, mm-hmm. if you will. Well, in Disneyland. Um, some of the Fantasyland attractions facades weren't done in time for opening. So they wound up using like stock stuff that would have been used at fairs like banners and tents to cover the uh, incomplete facades like for these attractions. like version of Scrim. Kind of, yeah. So what happened you was it, they just kind of kept it and it stuck. So it wound up being a theme just because of the materials they were using. 
there was no big grand design to make yeah. a medieval fair theme in Fantasyland. So it's stuck in Disneyland. So when it came time to do the Disneyland or the Disney World version of Fantasyland, guests just connected those two things. Like we want to see that whether they realized it was a middle medieval fair theme, just whatever that theme was, it just right. made sense. Which and that was like their comfort. Because when you think about Disney movies, like the only movie I guess that's really like that was Robin Hood. Yes. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else was about princesses. And not that there wasn't princesses yeah. in medieval time, like just a different type. This, these were like more kids story book princesses, right. not like real king just, queens. It's really funny considering all the different details and stuff and how they tell stories in other parts of Disney World. Yes. Like when you're over in um, like the Sleepy Hollow, like that area, how it's like, oh, the concrete is this color because it's supposed to be like a river. Because or like, of poop. Right. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah like so crazy. <laughs> it is strange. Um, so uh, so if you're wondering, that's that's the medieval theme there. So this cool. was an opening day attraction for Disney World. Of course, it was popular over there. So it was an opening day attraction here. There are approximately, give or take now, 289 dolls within the attraction representing six continents. And the song is sung in five different languages, English, of course, being one of them, throughout the attraction. Um, let's talk a little, bit, a little bit about those dolls. There was one Imagineer in particular who was like the lead doll builder. Her name is Joyce Carlson. She happens to have the distinction of building dolls for the original World's Fair version, the wow. Disneyland version, Disney World version, and any other iteration of Small World. So she's had her hand in all of the Small yeah. Worlds. She was eventually memorialized on Main Street with her own window that says, Miss Joyce, Dollmaker for the World. Mm. Um, and of course, World could be like Disney World or the World World or it's a Small World. So right. it's a nice little like play there. Um, so she's had her hand in all of it. You also probably have heard us talk about Mary Blair. She is, among other things, an artist, um, even said to be Walt's uh, one of Walt's favorite, if not the favorite artist, maybe up for debate, but certainly certainly would be in Walt's top eight on MySpace. Yeah. So um, artist, Imagineer, animator, she's had her hand in a couple of things. Um, and obviously it was her designs that was used for the main look of the attraction, the overall like aesthetic for the attraction itself. Um, the ride has definitely seen some changes over the years, especially in Disneyland, although it's not the park we're talking about. You know they included the Disney characters throughout, which I love. Right. I wish I wish they would do it here. But I however, know. here in uh, 2005, a comprehensive restoration was done, uh, you know, on the attraction itself, just like beefing up the costumes and the dolls and whatnot. Um, it also included a stereo master recording of the original or orchestral production of it. So they really went for it. They wound up finding or discovering um, in some archive somewhere, like an original recording, and they, they you know, they, the, 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 the year 2000 it and made it a little bit, you know, more, more clear. Yeah. Um, from 1991 to 98, there was a sponsor, Mattel, and this wound up leading to a Greg's family joke because this is in the room and it's still the room is still there where it tells you goodbye in all the different languages. Yeah. Well, that is where they put the sign for sponsored by Mattel. So uh, as a joke, we would say Mattel as a way to say goodbye because it would be like <laughs> adios, uh, you know, uh, yeah. all the different uh, goodbye, right. farewell, all these things. That's the only Mattel. one you know. <laughs> yeah. Bye. I do. Adios. Au, au revoir, Mattel. Au revoir, Mattel. Mattel. 
Mattel. Yes. And um, and you, so if you've been in the queue before, you've seen the big giant facade that's there now that actually resembles the Disneyland outside structure. And that's not on not an accident. That was done on purpose. They oh. redid it to more closely tie in with the Disneyland version. So that's like that big white sparkly kind of gold trimmed area, mm-hmm. like the big wall where the clock pops out every 15 minutes, yeah. which is similar kind of to what they do over in Disneyland. That was all just to kind of tie those two things together. Um, by the way, Mattel stopped sponsoring the attraction in 98. Then they went over to Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, and then they stopped altogether, and Mattel is no longer sponsoring anything in Disney World. Although, obviously, Mattel yeah, Mattel allows Disney to use characters like Barbie and whatnot in the Toy Story right. uh, movies and probably other things. Um, let's talk about some cool facts. Cool facts. Cool facts. Tell me. Did you know? Actually, I'll ask you. Trivia question okay. for you. Okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to just leave if you get the answer to this correctly. What's the name of the waterway that carries you throughout the attraction? So the waterway where your boat is. International Waterway. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It is uh, just like the lagoon outside Magic Kingdom. This is the Seven Seas Waterway. It officially has a name. Now, Greg, yeah. how can you say it's official? Well, thank you for asking. I appreciate the fact that you don't trust me. Um, that's straight from the Disney Parks blog website. They say that oh. it has a name, and it is the Seven Seas Waterway. They want you to know. Yes. The Sherman Brothers are behind the writing of the song for It's a Small World. Yep. I'm sure you've heard us, and you've heard them. Or you've heard us. You've heard us talk about them, and you've heard of them just in general anyway. And you heard sing it earlier yes um if you've ever that was part of the imagineering story too i think yeah they're all over that and they were in the saving mr banks movie too if you if you if you've seen that Uh, that was more focused on mary poppins but they were depicted in in there as well um if you've ever walked over the bridge portion of the queue so like as you're approaching the loading area and if you look down you can see all a bunch of coins in the right especially right there and then in general, if you're just in the boat, you happen to be looking over the side of it, you'll probably see some. It's really not a whole lot in the entire ride, but it just seems like a lot right there. Kind of like while you're in the boat waiting to get to the unloading area. So um, what happens to those coins? And in general, the, probably the larger question is what happens to coins park-wide or property-wide well, at Well, my World? other question too is why do people do that? People are weird. Have you met people? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know. I'm just like, why? I guess it's the whole like um, Everest with the... With the hair, hair ties. ties, yes, and it's the reason why they'll never sell gum because people do weird things with gum. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that's that's another Kardashian effect, and I have right? Always it's popular. Wondered, yeah. When do they get rid of all these coins and what do they do with it? Yes. So tell me. So there are there have been like rumors about you know whether people keep it or not. By the way, you know that Disney was, is not in the business of just keeping that because that's a hundred percent a PR nightmare and liability. They're not doing that. They are right. donating it. They wind up taking out those coins. Some of them are a little more specific, like the wishing well at the um, the Cinderella wishing well, which you can yeah. get to from, I guess you would say Tomorrowland, but that area where the Merida meet and greet is, that like back way yep. is where you get to it. There's a little sign that, that lets you know where those coins specifically are oh. going. However, and this is according to DisneyAddicts.com, uh, in 2008, along so the coins from that attraction and other attractions where people are throwing that in, they were able to donate $20,000. In 2018, $20,000 to a Florida-based organization that supports over 3,000 children each day with foster care costs or adoption costs or just 
things to help them transition. Yeah. They also, it's basically like a youth transition um, charity. That was that one particular year. So this has been happening wow. year after year where they're just different ones and turning all this money. So yeah. if you want to use your coin to make a wish and also want to do a little bit of something, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe toss it into the fountain over at Cinderella, uh, Cinderella's Wishing Well, or if you want to be a part of the madness and give give the custodial staff something to do <laughs> extra <laughs> at It's a Small World, you can do that. Yeah, like, um, who, uh, who has to go to the coin star yes. <laughs> to do all this? So obviously, you know, this is meant to represent children of the world, if you will. Oh, actually, I have a little piece of audio for you. So this, this is going back to the World's Fair, but the concept remains the same. But this is Walt himself giving you a brief, and this is just a brief introduction to the attraction. So let's listen to Walt talk about and narrate the It's a Small World, the It's a Small World from the World's Fair. Now it's time to join the passengers on a musical cruise to visit the children of It's a Small World. On voyage. Here we enter the children's world of imagination, fun, and laughter as we start our globe-circling tour in the Scandinavian country. During our voyage, we'll visit more than 100 lands. Let's see how many we can identify. Let's see how many we can identify. Um, it's yeah. tough because I learned in doing some research on this ride that I am terrible at geography. <laughs> so, And I don't know how to identify it. I'm not going to go through the whole list because there's just like dozens of countries being represented. But some ones to, to that stood out that were like, oh, because like, I don't know what Holland looks like. But the yeah. area of the ride is represented by the kids in, like, the clog shoes, the wooden yeah. shoes. Like, duh. Okay, that one makes sense. Holland. Yeah. Um, Don Quixote is supposed to represent Spain. The gondolas are Venice. Taj Mahal. You know, these are, these are like, worldwide icons right. that you can, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. The hyenas, we start to get into the Africa area. The penguins are to represent the southern tip of South America. Interesting. Because oh. when I hear South America, I don't think cold climate. But yeah. southern tip uh, must be closer to Antarctica, right? Don't know. Who, okay. Yep. Again, not an expert. Uh, rainforest is Brazil. And as you go through all the rooms, just kind of pick out something to do. If you've been on this ride a bunch of times and you're focused on the song and whatnot, just look around and see if you could figure out exactly what region of the world they're trying to depict by the icons. So this is just a small little sampling of things to look out for. So see if you can do it the next time you're there. Be like, hey, this is that country. This is that. And um, you'll, you may surprise yourself. And there's lots of hidden Mickeys in there. Lots of them. Lots of them. All right, so we got one attraction left here for our uh, our deep dive. Okay, Under the Sea, The Journey of the Little Mermaid, and not to be confused with The Journey of the Little Mermaid show Yes. at Hollywood Studios. Um, opened on December 6th in 2012 at Magic Kingdom. Um, in the early to mid-1990s, Walt Disney um, Imagineering attempted to develop the Little Mermaid Dark Ride, and this was for Disneyland Paris. Um, they wanted to do it, sorry, they wanted to do it for Disneyland Paris and Magic Kingdom. They had early plans for Tokyo Disney and Hong Kong Disneyland also included the ride, but none of them were actually built. <laughs> Although, this is what I thought was kind of cool. There was a computer-generated ride-through animatic um, that was included on the Platinum Edition DVD of The Little Mermaid in yeah. 2006. Yeah, now you mentioned that, I remember that. I haven't seen it yeah. though. Me neither, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. I need to go back, because I feel like I have that. I feel like I have that DVD, so I need to go look at it. Um, but anyway, so September in September of 2009 was when Disney announced that the Toontown Fair at the Magic Kingdom would be demolished to make room for an expansion of Fantasyland. So that's when, that's the area that they've opened this on. Demolished. Um, 
they demolished, right? So if you remember what was there before, it was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And so obviously this ride is based on the film, right? The 1989 film, The Little Wait, Mermaid. there was a movie? So oh it goes God. through. Well, because so, I've, I've only seen the live action play with uh, Queen Latifah and yeah, other people. Yeah. yeah, so there was a movie in 1989 the animatronic, the Ursula animatronic that's like huge and gigantic. She yeah. is a whopping 12 feet wide and seven and a half feet tall. How dare you body shame her? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, 12 feet wide. Did I read that right? <laughs> um, as far as the exterior and the queue, it's featuring Eric's castle. So you see the castle. That's another like big kind of forced perspective type thing. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the surrounding cliffs. That's where you enter through the cavern at low tide. Um, and it's part of the clue. Part of the queue includes an interactive scavenger hunt with Scuttle. So yes. that's where you see Scuttle's talking, um, the little like crabs that are going through everything. So that's part of the interactive, which the queue is ginormous. Mm-hmm. If you've like actually gone through the whole part of it where they've opened all of it up, it is, it's large. Um, and then the mural in the loading area is also substantially different from Disney's California Adventure. So there is obviously one of these at California Adventure and Disneyland. Um, these are just some of the differences. The, Entrance is different, so that's why I talked about Prince Eric's castle. Okay. But um, And then so the big mural on the wall with Ariel and stuff like that, that's different than the Disney California one. Um, this is a classic ride system, so it's the Omnimover system. Um, basically just replace your Doom buggy with a clamshell. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a large clamshell that you're riding through the ride on. There are a ton of characters in this ride. There is 183 of them. Wow. So um, once you, if you know what I'm talking about, when you get to the under the sea scene where everybody's singing, I guess that's where the majority of them are. Imagineers had to put a lot of thought into the way that Ursula and Ariel and King Triton's skin would look. Because in this ride, if you notice, you're a lot closer to them uh, than a normal ride. So when it comes to the force perspective, like kind of how you talk about in Pirates where they actually had to add real hair to that guy's leg. Yeah. So they created a special skin technology in order for them to look more realistic. So this was like a new technology that they had created for those characters so that their skin looked real. I thought that was cool. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I was like, but, yeah. yes. but when you look at it, it does. It kind of glistens and you're like, it does look more real. Yeah. Like a normal, you know, I guess what they what they use for normal animal. And I'm assuming that's what they've used on other animatronics. Uh, probably even like in Navi River and stuff like that. Um Star Wars, like the new animatronics that they've had, I'm sure they've used this technology on some of those as well because you're closer to them. You can see it's like more HD, I guess, if you will. Um, as far as the music, so arranger Danny Trube adapted Alan Menken's original songs for the attraction. He also wrote an orchestral medley for the loading area. So that is something that was written for the ride. Um, he wrote several transitional cues and stuff like that and new arrangements for the finale. But um, something that I thought was cool that a lot of the scenes use the original voice performances from the actual film. So Jody Benson okay. does Ariel. Um, Pat Carroll does the voice of Ursula. And then there's, it just says that there's new performances in there by Philip Lawrence, who does Sebastian, um, like Scuttle, Flotsam and Jetsam. Those are all like new things that were recorded, but it's the original voices. So some of the stuff they just pretty much ripped straight from the movie. Um, and then there were some other things that they added to it. There wasn't like, a, I mean, obviously this was built in 2012. So there's not a ton of historical things attached yeah. to it, but as a classic Disney ride, it's like, well, I mean, gosh, we're almost 10 years out. Yes. That is true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Eight years, eight years out. We're getting there. It's almost old. 
Yeah. It's like, who cares um, about it? This is one ride that Doug's always like, let's just go get it over with. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I like it. Well, I love it so much. I mean, it's just one of those, like, it is what it is, but it is family friendly. Um, so. I do have a particular favorite part of the attraction and, and I'll answer this cause I know you asked and we're thinking it. Um, Hey Greg, what's your favorite part of under the sea? Well, what's I'll tell your you. Favorite part, Greg? So, um, one, one effect that I still think is cool is when you plunge underwater. So you're going backwards at this point and you hear that you're going underwater and the shell in front of you is projected the ocean rising above you. Yeah. And they also, yeah. this is the part that I like the most. They blast you with cold air because obviously if you're being submerged, you probably feel a sensation of being cold. And then at that point you're under the sea. Because obviously when you're getting on the right. clamshell, you're above water, then you go underwater. And I think that's such a, a small, you're obviously like it's a small shore. touch. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, you're Jersey Shore trash at that point. And yeah, then you're under the sea. So when I, and obviously this is a, that's the point of the attraction, but those types of things to pull you into a world are, mm-hmm. although small, important to me and I, and I appreciate it. Yeah. And I guess you kind of go down, so. It's like um, you're really going under. One of my favorite things to do during the under the sea portion is to dance do like and snap, sing, you know, like the Snapchat parts, like to film some of the characters, but then like dub over other music to them. Which is really <laughs> I've never done do that. Do that. Do that again. And then if you can't post it, send it to me and post it on the on our podcast account, because I want people to see that. OK, my favorite was last year I did um, Beyonce, one of Beyonce, a Beyonce song while Ariel was dancing. And it actually ended up perfectly. No. It was like. Hold up, she don't love you like I love you. Like slow down, and then, like, the way that she was moving, I was like, "This is perfect." From the Lemonade album. That's right. Um, but yeah, super good. So that's like because you're in that room for a long. And I, I'm telling you, it almost like never fails. We end up stopping in that room. Yes. Like, wherever you're stopped, you're like, "Oh, this is great," because they they don't like stop the animatronics moving. Yes. Animatronics are always moving, even if the song's not playing. So it's just really easy to to get videos of that. Oh, so and. Do them yourself, people. Just tag us. We'll love it. Yes. My favorite part is the Ursula part because I just think she's such a cool character. And the yeah. way that, that that animatronic is, I'm like, I don't know. It's just fascinating to me to look like to watch her when she yes. moves. It's large. She's larger than life right there, which is she's why I like, get in. She's uh, sorry, feet larger than life. She's, she's 12, 12 feet, feet <laughs> which is why I get disproportionately uh, angry when someone turns on their flash on their video. Oh, I'm like, don't ruin it. Don't ruin the effect. And yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. How dare you? Is that it? Anything else you want to add for? Uh, it. it wasn't a. T- I mean, again, it's a newer ride, but it's. Yeah, it's a newer ride. I'm I sure love that it's better. newer, but is still a classic dark ride style. It's mm-hmm. one of the newer classic dark ride, classic yeah. style dark rides that and we have. Again, if you're like around our age, it's a nostalgic thing because this was like the first movie. Like, this was the first Disney movie that I remember. Yeah, 1989. So, yeah, so she was Ariel's technically like my first princess. Yes. Aw. Um, and so. I love that they'd used things that are straight from the movie because if, you know, you've watched the movie a million times at this point, like I have. Yeah. So like, oh, you know all of this. <laughs> um, at this point, we've been chatting for quite some time. So thanks yeah. for hanging out. One thing about these episodes that I hope hopefully no one minds is that we wind up going a little long because there's so much to talk about with these yeah. particular attractions. But I do want to make sure we still do our normal stuff. So, of course, we're going to hop into some Dip them in your sauce and put them in your mouth. News nuggets. Uh, we'll be quick here. There's not a whole lot going on. Muppets 3D is closing for two weeks. So okay. I don't think it's going to be a huge refurb. You can't really accomplish a lot in two weeks. Yeah. So That's it's almost like they're going to, yeah, just dust, paint, maybe. Yeah. Sweep it up. Um, another thing that I have, just quick news nugget, the Eps, Ep, the Eps, the Epcot International Festival of the Arts, or as Greg likes to call it, the Farts. Farts. Uh, 
returns on January 17th through February 4th. Exactly. Uh, this year you can get complimentary. The pass holder magnet is Artful Mickey, which I'm really excited about this okay. one. By Will Gay, uh, who's featured on this this year's festival. You can also purchase as a pass holder um, exclusive merchandise and enjoy discounts on Disney on Broadway concert series dining packages. Oh. So it just says, you know, use your annual pass to, you know, take part in some of the festival things that they have to offer. They're doing like art seminars and workshops, 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 <laughs> performances, like acrobatic things, live statues. They have a figments brush thing that they're doing, uh, scavenger hunt, all kinds of stuff. So look for that. Did you have any other news nugs? I do have just so they did announce the menu for the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, which has a yet to be announced opening date. Yeah. And the reason why I want to just dive into this a little bit is because this is going into the American Pavilion and they are highlighting different areas of America and their versions of barbecue, which is important because if you were to ask someone where you live, what does barbecue taste like? Their answer is going to be different from someone who lives in Kansas City versus like the Nashville area versus somewhere in Texas, right? So yeah. they're doing that. Um, they have a Memphis style dry rub rib platter, a Kansas City smoked half chicken, which is a more sweet barbecue sauce. They have a barbecue burger served on garlic toast topped with barbecue pork and a fried onion ring. It's a lot. <laughs> If your heart didn't just jump. <laughs> yes, it, and it, it probably will never jump again after that. Um, they do have a Texas beef brisket sandwich rubbed with a, quote, secret brisket rub. Mm, okay, secret. tell me what it is. And smothered in a, quote, spicy mop sauce. Again, what's that? Yeah. Tell me what that is. This is, like, we're getting closer to your neighborhoods now. North Carolina, which it, this is the neighboring Carolina for you. Um, they're offering a North Carolina chopped pork butt platter. Mm-hmm. And you know how I like my butt chopped, <laughs> never cracked. And then they do have a South Carolina smoked sausage sandwich. So you have to try this out because it's your state. This is this is how Epcot is choosing to represent South Carolina. Smoked sausage. That's interesting to me that that's what they're choosing. Yeah, okay. it is a smoked sausage sandwich on garlic toast with a tangy mustard sauce and caramelized or caramelized onions. Now, swap out that sausage for some barbecue, and we're in yeah. business. Well, I was going to say, if you just want awful breath for the rest of the day, try a South well, Carolina smoked sausage sandwich. Garlic toast, tangy mustard, and sausage in general tends to, like, when I burp up sausage, I know. And yeah. uh, and, car- and caramelized onions. You're asking for just no one to go near you. Not breath. It's just burp, burps. You're burping it up the rest of the day, and or you have really bad gas. So one you're welcome, America. Well, maybe they're debuting this in time for the farts. That's festival, probably the festival of the arts. All right. They listen, they listen to you. Well, they do. All we right. got one last thing. Oh, wait, do you have another news nugget? I just have one more. Okay, go ahead. Um, now available at Disney Parks is the newest collection of Star Wars themed apparel. Apparel. I cannot talk today. I'm so sorry, everyone. It's such a shame you have to do a podcast. <laughs> I know, gosh. It is the new Star Wars themed apparel, which I thought was really interesting. So it's just a Star Wars collection. It features t-shirts, joggers, jackets, and more. Um, they're basically just black and white looks. So there's like big, large patterns of black and white, and then they just have Star Wars on them. Okay. So, I don't know. It is. It's very '90s themed, with kind of, which kind of made me like giggle a little bit. But <laughs> I'm sure it'll be all over the place because yeah. that's kind of in style now. Um, and so you can get them now at Disney Parks, but they won't be on Shop Disney until January 27th. Okay, that's around the corner. I'm gonna quit talking I cannot talk anymore. She cannot <laughs> talk. All right. Well, we're at our end here, so let's wrap it up. Talk about a little history. Obviously, we wound up covering quite a bit of 
history throughout our conversation about uh, some dark rides, but I'll bring us back to not that far, 2014. Ooh. Disney added Fast Pass, past? Fast Pass Plus, Plus to Magic Kingdom. Oh. So this is, of course, the system we know now. You're booking your Fast Passes in advance, eliminating the need for little Greg to run from Frontierland to Tomorrowland to get Space Mountain Fast Passes while the rest of his family is enjoying the cool breeze of the air conditioning at Country Bear Jamboree waiting area. Not bitter. Yeah, I was like, but you're not bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go all the way back to 1990. So this actually said... Um, in 1989 is when this actually opened, but they didn't have the grand opening for Star Tours until this week in 1990. Oh. Uh, so this was at MGM, hashtag not my MGM now, um, Hollywood Studios. But anyway, so December, sorry. So 1990 Star Tours, they had the big grand opening. And I wanted to read this because I was like, it's, you know, changed so much um, till today. But it's a motion simulator attraction based on the successful Star Wars film series created by George Lucas. The cute area is inspired by Return of the Jedi with Imperial forces invading the Ewok village of the forest moon of Endor. Oh, that was I mean, 30... now there's like a million different versions of the ride, but that's 30 years ago. I know. How crazy is oh that? Oh my God. Do you feel old? Because I feel old now. And it took them 30 years to finally get a bunch of Star Wars stuff there. So yeah. That is true. Yeah, it took like 29 and a half years to get a whole land open up. They're toes and they were like, we're jumping in now. We're going to do it. We're deep diving. So uh, we have uh, other parts to our deep dive in the classic style dark rides coming your way. This was part one. We still have uh, eight other attractions or so to cover. Uh, If you like what you heard today, feel free to head over to iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and leave us a review over there. If you want to support what we're doing. You can find our account on Patreon. Uh, there's always a link down below in the episode description if you want to easily navigate over there. And hey, always feel free to reach out. One thing um, I want to make sure, because I do get messages on either the podcast account or my personal and people are like responding to things that we're saying, which is always cool. And um, and every now and then it's a complaint, so thank you. But <laughs> it happens. Um, feel free to reach out uh, either on Instagram at that park life podcast. Or my personal account is at the Disney Greg. And my personal account for now is at Lost Princess Printing. For Ooh. now, shrouded in mystery. Speaking of cliffhangers, that could wait, can that be the cliffhanger for our first season? Just whatever you're doing, wait three weeks. <laughs> okay, I will. This way we have we have something to chat about for season right, two. Season two coming soon. <laughs> season two. Guys. On a very special episode of That Park Life Podcast, season premiere, Beth reveals. What's next? Previous. Previously on the Park Life Podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Thanks for hanging out while we chatted a bunch about some classic style Disney dark rides. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs>